As we get into our lesson for today, we are in our sixth lesson in our series on growth, fruitful Christian growth. And we have been studying from 2 Peter chapter 1 and verses 5 through 9. And if you would like to, to turn there and, and uh, look at these verses with me, uh, we'll look at them again. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sin. We have been studying each of these Christian virtues, Christian graces, however you might want to call them. Uh, we've been studying one for each week for the last six weeks. And today's word is going to be godliness. And we understand that godliness is one of the great Christian graces that Peter mentions here that we are to grow in. As Christians, it's important that we not remain in the state that we are in when we obey the gospel, when we're baptized for the remission of our sin. It's important that we continue to serve God, that we continue in faithfulness, that we continue in growth. Much can be learned about godliness simply by having an understanding of the various characteristics with which it is associated. Look at the list of things that we have from 1 Peter. Faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, brotherly kindness, and love. Each of these is important. And when one gains a concept of these characteristics and applies them to life, he exhibits godliness. In order to be God-like or Christ-like, these things and others must be a part of our lives. And there are things that we have to grow in. Uh, we're, we're not going to uh, come to any of these without some kind of effort. It takes effort to have faith. It takes effort to believe, and not only believe, but be, believe to the point of obedience. Virtue and knowledge have to be pursued. Self-control, perseverance. These are things that we need to grow in in order to possess godliness. Our lesson objectives for this morning are, first of all, to learn from what the Bible says about godliness. And secondly, to exhibit godlike characteristics and behavior in our everyday living. If you have a bulletin, it has sermon notes in the middle of it. And if you would like to use those sermon notes for those that are new to us, um, they, they go along with the lesson for today. In order to understand godliness, we first have to answer the question, what is godliness? How do we define godliness and, and how do we understand godliness? Godliness in simplicity is defined as God-likeness. God-likeness. The things that we 
grow in. These bear a resemblance to God. These are things that are of Him. And so as we meditate on these things, and as we apply them to our lives, we are being God-like. When we behave as God's people are to behave, that is being God-like. Godliness is learned through a brief study of what accompanies godliness. And I say brief because we don't have the time really to go through every single thing that applies to godliness. But let's look at some of the things that the Bible teaches us about godliness. Some things that we need to know. We begin in 2 Peter chapter 1 with verses 2 and 3. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verses 2 and 3. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. And notice in particular what it says in verse 3. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. We understand from Scripture that the source of godliness is God. It comes from none other than God. Everything that pertains to righteousness and helps us to learn what it is comes from God. We also understand from Scripture that accompanied with godliness is good works. Good works are a part of godliness. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And for context, we'll begin with verse 8. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 8. I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing. Verse 10, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. We understand that godliness and good works are associated with one another. God's people are called to do good works and to set a good example. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. 1 Timothy 6, beginning with verse 18. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come. In Titus 2, beginning with verse 11. Titus 2 and verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation 
has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people, zealous for good works. They be rich in good works, zealous for good works. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12, having your conduct, conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. By our example of good works and godliness, we may lead others to His service. We may lead others to Christ. But godliness is more than just good works. And beyond good works, certain characteristics define the life of a Christian. We go back to our list in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-7. through 7. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence add to your faith. Virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. Each of these help us to understand godliness. Each of these is involved in godly living. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11. 1 Timothy 6 verse 11. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. These things are involved in godly living. We also understand that our conduct must represent godliness. Our conduct must represent godliness. 2 Peter 3 and verse 10, verses 10 through 12. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. And we'll look at this in a moment. But we understand that holy conduct and godliness are a part of one another. Our conduct is to be godlike. And in so doing, we exhibit godliness. When we pursue godliness, 
others will see our godliness. And by our godliness will recognize the love and compassion of God toward us. We too will become a representation of God. And these important characteristics that He has given us. And as we show godliness to the world in this life, we understand that God will bestow upon us godliness in eternity. Let's look for a moment at the, the reward of godliness. What godliness will do for the Christian. In Psalm 1, in just the first three verses, it teaches us of godliness. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. We understand that those who pursue godliness and righteous living are blessed. This is not so for the ungodly, and they are mentioned here as a comparison. That we are to walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. But the godly are defined as those who love God. Those who delight in His law. And who studies, who understands and meditates on these things all of their day. You don't have to carry a Bible in front of you to meditate on the law of God. But whenever you, you put it into your mind, whenever you remember it, and whenever you meditate on the things that it teaches, that's meditating on God's law. And he is described, the man who is godly is described as being like a tree planted by rivers of water. In other words, he is well grounded, well nourished and fruitful as we as Christians are to stand before God. We've been discussing the importance of growing and bearing fruit. And that's what we are as, as Christians to do. And as we do so, as we continue to grow, we are nourished by the Word of God. It, it provides us all the things that we need for godly living. Godliness is to be pursued, but it is also the result of our Christian behavior. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10, we find that there is, is much to gain when pursuing godliness. 1 Timothy chapter 6, and beginning with verse 6. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. 
For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrow. Godliness, along with contentment, helps us to realize that all blessings, all blessings, come from God. Anything that, that we are blessed with in this life, whether it be of a physical nature or even of a spiritual nature, these blessings come from God. Contentment with what we are given keeps us from sinful lust. And the wise investor will invest in the things of God rather than the things of the world. And in so doing, God will bless His pursuit of such things. The same chapter, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and beginning with verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. Anyone who pursues godliness, God will bless him. If he pursues in an honest manner, and he pursues the truth of God's Word, then he may lay hold on eternal life. Godliness prepares us for eternity. Godliness prepares us for eternity. Knowing that this present world will end in destruction, we are to prepare ourselves for eternity with godly living. 2 Peter chapter 3 and beginning with verse 10. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heaven the new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, without spot and blameless. Diligence in godly living prepares us to be found in Him 
when our physical lives on earth are over and our numbered days are through. There's a reason that when someone leaves this earth, you don't find a U-Haul behind a hearse. They can't take their riches with them. And even if they were to try, and I've heard of individuals that have tried to take their riches with them. I remember hearing of a husband who told his wife that he wanted her to place all of his money in his casket. And she did. She wrote him out a check and put it in his casket. I've also heard of a gentleman that, that wanted to take his nice Cadillac to his grave. And so he asked to have it running. And from what I understand, they, they took a crane, and they had it running, and they buried him in his Cadillac. But even if we try to take the riches of this world with us, we are going to be unsuccessful because all of these things will be dissolved. They will be burned up. They will be destroyed. That's why we're told not to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth, but rather to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where the blessings that God gives us in eternity will not be destroyed. Matthew chapter 6. Let's turn our attention to the way of the ungodly. The way of the ungodly. What do we know of the ungodly? What does the Bible have to say about those who are ungodly? The ungodly are those who fail to seek the righteousness of God and those who lack its benefits as well. Psalm 1 verses 4 through 6. The ungodly are not so. As we talked of the tree of, uh, that is growing by the rivers of water and that is well nourished and well cared for, the ungodly are not so. They are not founded as this tree. But are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Though God is omniscient and all-knowing, there are certain things that God does not know. And one of those things is sin. And in particularly those who live in sin, those who continue in sin throughout their lives, God does not know their way. And He does not know them. According to Matthew 7. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. There are ungodly people among us in the world, in our daily presence, those that we love even. But they will not be able to stand in the day of judgment. You see, the Lord does not know the way of the ungodly as He does the way of the righteous. And the ungodly are promised to perish in that day. 
As we look at the way of the ungodly, it is described in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men, of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. The godliness, though godliness does produce gain for the Christian, it is not the gain sought by the wicked and the ungodly. The wicked are in pursuit of worldly riches and pride. And these things will fade. The way of the ungodly is not known by God because of its sinful nature. From the ungodly, we are encouraged to withdraw that our pursuit of godliness may not be prevented or hindered. Godliness is a subject we could talk all day about and what it really means to be godly, but I think we have a, at least a basic understanding of what it is. And we understand that we, if we are to find and eternity with God. We are to pursue righteous living. We're not to pursue the ways of the world. We're to understand that the ways of the world will end in destruction. But the way of godliness leads to eternity. Pursuit of godliness is a pursuit of the characteristics of God. That we might partake in the reward that is promised the righteous, eternal life with the Father for whom we live. We are given choice. The only other pursuit that may be chosen is the way of godlessness. Godlessness. A pursuit that will end again in destruction. The loss of everything that should be truly important to us. A loss of the things that, that were important to us. We've been given a choice. We can pursue godliness or we can pursue godlessness. question is, what choice will you make today? Maybe you've obeyed the gospel. And maybe you've not. We're told what to do in Scripture. On the day of Pentecost, Peter, very plainly, says to them that ask the question, what shall we do? Repent. 
Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's what we must do in order to become, to become Christians. And 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21 tells us that, that baptism does also now save us. It's not the removal of the filth of the flesh. It's not like taking a physical bath. But it does remove the sins, the guilt of those sins. <coughs> and through the water of baptism, we come in contact with the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. That we must do to be saved. On the other hand, maybe it is that, that you've not remained faithful and maybe you need to come back. Maybe you need to repent, ask for forgiveness, ask for help in that regard. And if that is your need, then we'd be glad to help you. And if you feel uncomfortable coming forward publicly, talk to us privately. We'll still be glad to help you in whatever need you may have. But as we always do on the Lord's Day, and any time that we gather, we offer you the Lord's invitation. It's not my invitation. It's not the invitation of this congregation. It's the invitation of the Lord Himself. He desires that you come. And so, if, if you do have a need that we can help you with, we give you the opportunity to respond as together we stand and as we sing. Kneel at the cross.